I'm Roy Sharples and welcome to the Unknown Origins podcast. Why are you listening to this podcast? Are you an industry expert looking for insights? Are you growing your career? Or are you a dear friend helping to spur your pal on? I created the Unknown Origins podcast to have the most inspiring conversations with creative industry personalities and experts about entrepreneurship, pop culture, art, music, film and fashion. Professor Jose Junissen is Dean of the School of Design and Technology at London College of Fashion, University of the Arts London and Professor of Fashion Theory. She is the principal investigator of three European-funded projects in fashion tech and digital learning and a freelance fashion curator. From 2002 to 2016, she held a professorship in fashion theory at Arez, where she established the Centre of Expertise Future Makers, dedicated to digital innovation and sustainable solutions for the fashion discipline. She is currently a board member of the Dutch Creative Industries Council, International Federation of Fashion Technology Institutes, International Apparel Federation, Sonseek State of Fashion and Fashion for Good. Hello and welcome Jose. What inspired and attracted you to the world of fashion in the first place? As long as I live my whole life, I'm, I've been intrigued by fashion. And it might be, maybe it's a strange thing, maybe not, because I grew up in a, in a very small village, very remote, very rural village in the Netherlands, in the south of the Netherlands. But that was during the 60s. And I think fashion was one thing that, you know, there was TV, television, there were um, magazines. Uh, and of course, there was younger people who just started to, you know, um, dress very fashionable. And I was very intrigued by the fact that, you know, that's, you know, it was very strange that one year things you think, oh, this is the most beautiful thing. I need to have this or I need to wear my hair long or, you know, yeah. uh, in, in a certain way or my skirt needs to be short. And then in a few years, you know, it all, it all it changed again. So I was always amazed by how, you know, what's the rationale? What is it? That, <laughs> Point you think this is very beautiful, and then in 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 a couple of years, you know you did you don't you don't, didn't want to wear it um, any longer. And also looking back to pictures, for example, from my parents, then you actually see you know that everything you could date it, you know, fifties, the forties, the thirties. So that I think was my. Um, fascination for fashion and then my mother and my aunt there were just you know working as um, they did some tailoring work they just worked as uh, you know as, as seamstress for and my mother just made all the clothes for us so also the the making side of it and the, you know the, a feeling for a fabric and you know how it was draped and how you need to cut it that was all you know was something I never had to learn because it was sort of in-house. It was uh, around all the time. Yes. So, yeah, so I think that those two things are, you know, a reason why, yeah, I was always very much interested and in, intrigued by fashion, but primarily also as a cultural phenomenon. And I still am, you know, I still don't have a solution because now, you know, we are in, in the time where sustainability, you know, is, a, is very high on the agen agenda. 
And at the same time, we see all kinds of digitalization and fashion tech solutions. And there's still, you know, in my head, you know, do we really need, you know, this, you know, the drive to all those new trends is that, you know, driven by uh, the commercial reason because yes. they think needs new things and are there new, really new styles as there were in the 80s and 90s? And also, how can we actually reduce this? You know, what is a, a, a what are the products we really want? And, you know, is, you know, fashion for change, is it changing? Why is it changing? And what is it expressing? So it's still the same fascination, but in a very different context. Fashion stands for individuality and self-expression at a specific place and period in time within a given context defined by influencers in the fashion industry and popular culture to which it is trending. Design is a vehicle for time and social change that interconnects society, entertainment, politics, fashion and technology, which translates into popular culture, practices, beliefs and rituals prevalent in society at any given point in time. Even looking at the last 70 years since the birth of rock and roll, of some of the key events in popular culture that have affected society and the interaction between people in their everyday lives, The 1950s, where comics captured the imagination, rock and roll encouraged rebellion, and television sharpened the mind, right through to the 2010s to the current day, where there's a blurring of virtual and physical life, where the edges are no longer the boundaries, and intelligent machines are emerging, with each generation embodying its own social and cultural movements that encompass ideals, sensibilities, art and science, and is usually a reaction against prior movements and the status quo, which has grown uniform and monotonous. These socio-cultural movements influence art, fashion, music and popular culture and drive progressive change in politics and society, just as the hippie movement did in the 1960s, which embraced the sexual revolution and flower power, passive resistance and non-violent opposition to the Vietnam War, affiliated to protest folk musicians and psychedelic music, styled in long hair, beads, bluebell bottom jeans, ethnic clothing, headbands, floppy hats, flower power motifs, peace symbols and tie-dyed t-shirts, right through to more recent times where the hipster movement surfaced in the early 2000s as independent thinkers with progressive political views, with a penchant for art and indie rock, styled in pompadour haircuts, beards, vintage attire, checked shirts and skinny jeans. I think it definitely is because then it was also, you know, it was also a statement because it was also, you know, it had had a a real meaning, you know, it was also expressions, ideas about, you know, the the society and how, yeah, so it was all connected, especially I think it was music and fashion that were, yeah, I think just you know this 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 culture movement of young people driving change and yeah. then i think you know looking in the, in the 1990s i think that was also an interesting time because you saw uh, young designers coming in the field um, into the the conventional field of fashion and then i refer for to for john galliano give you best yes yes um but also uh, Marta Magella and the Japanese came in. So it was also, I think, an interesting time when design, fashion design, 
came interesting fashion design and also the, the, the Belgian designers were shaping, I think, you know, a, a fashion with a signature. Yes. And then I think, you know, um, uh, the, the, the classical um, big fashion houses, they, they started, you know, to, to also looking into heritage and their tradition, but they hired, you know, making just try to hire young designers. Yeah. But just to work on the signature. So I think in the, in the, and I think it's, it's also ex- expressed in a lot of literature that, you know, since in the 1990s when fashion became, you know, um, less an anti culture, but uh, a more like a, a commercial culture again. I yes. think that's, you know, when the, um, uh, the first retailers like HM, the big ones, came, yeah. came market and when it started to uh, a business that was very much on money making yes and also the fashion houses for example you know they became really commodities and big conglomerates and I think they and of course it was already there but uh, you know it was also about how can we maximum um make money off the brand by selling uh, lipsticks, uh, bags, whatever. So I think then it got all a little bit muddled. And then, you know, because they could um, start to make the trends very easily because, you know, uh, internet was there at a certain stage. Um, yeah. You capture, copy things from, from the Paris catwalk. You had very smart stylists who picked up every fashion trend from the street. So... Like, for example, grunge was something that, you know, it, it didn't even have a, a, it did have a very short life in the margin. And then it was copied and, you know, um, it became part of the um, normal culture and yes. copied yeah. by the big brands. So it was cannibalized. So, you know, it, it's commercial fashion just, you know, I think just started to get sort of, you know, started to get hold of, to encapsulate fashion yes. culture. It's very difficult to uh, to stand out or to, and of course there were still are designers, you know, but yeah. for younger generation design, I think in the, the 21st century has been a very difficult one. And then also I think you see, sustainability coming in as a, a very important topic and a little bit also fashion tech and then you actually also start to see that again you know it's 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 maybe much more about the story you tell uh, the way you produce your garment the way you uh, employ workers or you certain craft elements so it starts to generate very different uh, stories and maybe those are the more interesting because as again, I think you have people who are against the address certain issues in our society, address uh, are um, working against the system, trying to um, um, you know improve the system or trying to work bad to do better. And but they do that in a very different way. As it's it's not like a sort of new style and a very dynamic you know. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Fashion trend. It was more a fashion trend. I think, for example, punk or so. They were just that. They were a way of living. Yes. And I think that's not happening at the moment. So it's all much more. You know, there are definitely interesting designers. They different interesting approaches, but they all deal with 
sustainability or they sometimes work with you know newest technologies but they're all they're all looking into what kind of product do I want to make and especially what does it mean for um, yeah society yes and the most important question actually at the moment is, is do we really work for consumers yeah what what how what is you know we need to eat. I think food is something that you really, you know, we need to eat to to have to have food every day. But yeah. how much fashion and garments do we need? And yeah, do we trust, you know, the market? And why are we buying things? And maybe we have to rethink why we buy things. And also, we need to rethink what fashion actually is because. There is no real fashion. There are no real, I think, engaging new trends. It's much more about what kind of product you are buy. And if you look to the street, I think for 10 years already, or maybe 20 years, it's also very basic. Yeah? So most people dress very basic in 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 what you can call um, classics. Um, it's jeans, it's a t-shirt, it's a jacket. So how expressive is it? Yes. One of the multiple themes that is coming through from your perspective is how socially conscious society has become, which is influencing how important it is to understand cultural trends and lifestyle factors through context, norms, routine and daily life habits within communities and societies, which are informing designers, entrepreneurs and businesses with the social context that influences their product creation and marketing process by informing the design, positioning, message and packaging, the, the story that they want to kind of tell in a responsible and ethical way. When I just um, was at a university and was interested in doing some more research in fashion, I think it was always, you know, experienced uh, or a lot of people were thinking fashion, fashion, that's... Within, even within social cultural studies, it was seen as uh, not very uh, interesting and serious and not something you could really, you know, it was always seen as the, the most superficial and the most, um, so there was art, of course, and then design yeah. also serious, but fashion, you know, was only for women and uh, a field that uh, in the end women were interested in. So it's not, not often seen as a very serious um, uh, research topic. And I think that's also, yeah, it, it's, it, uh, of course, it has changed the last 20 years. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it was all, always seen as, you know, not that interesting. Same probably for, uh, for music, for uh, yes. music. It also took a time for it. it but fashion still, and I think the way we dress and is interesting. And if you look, if you tell people, for example, that you say, oh, yeah, but okay, it's something for women. Um, because men, they're really, and then you say, yeah, well, yeah, then you can just tell them, yeah. Why is it that men still wearing that, that suit, you know, for 200 yeah. years? Not suddenly, and it has come up at a certain stage. It was an important stage in history because, you know, it was with enlightenment, it was with... Um, um, cities coming up uh, with um, um, so after the the French Revolution, so yes. so and also women and skirts. You know, it's not that long that women are allowed to wear skirt, uh, wear trousers. Yeah. They had bigger skirts, and the length of the skirt was another thing. So they're all, you know, it's it's only yeah, 
Yeah, and if you you take those think along think along those lines, you actually see you know that um, our social cultural context and fashion there are a lot of things you know is is interesting to see that there's definitely a relation. What is your creative process in terms of how do you dream up ideas, develop those ideas into concepts? and then bring those concepts to actualization. My background and my, my role is, uh, so I'm, I'm working actually, I'm, I'm, I'm leading now a big, uh, a big fashion design institute at London College of Fashion. But uh, my creative contribution and role is primarily the, is exhibition making in fashion. Uh, I've, 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 I don't know how many fashion exhibitions I've made, maybe. 10, maybe 15, I don't remember exactly. And I always take it as a research and I'm also um, uh, work on writing at the same time. What I always try to do is thinking about um, the future or actually or in what's happening at a certain stage and try to just to bring together um, elements and try to find examples of certain areas where I think, you know, the the interesting designers are or the interesting developments are taking place. So my last exhibition was actually a, a, a fashion biennale and I called it, it was called um, um, Searching for the New Luxury. And this was actually to explore, you know, what is, because it was actually um, started with thinking about the classical, the, the, the very influential fashion houses in Paris, like uh, Dior, Prada, Chanel, because it's always experienced as luxury, fashion is luxury. But, you know, with especially two things like sustainability and technology, because you, how can technology and fashion tech ever being, being experienced as luxury. And also at the same time, if you're thinking about um, sustainability, what actually is luxury? Is luxury, is that no rate? Is it reusing of things? Is it, uh, is, is it technology? Or maybe it's, 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 it's something that's, that just um, uh, shows or is, is you know is is related to other values than class than the classical ones that are craft you know and and maybe a valuable product or a valuable fabric and it was always is made you know with that's what I they tell you it's not always happen in that way with a very crafted you know um, um, technical approach so those elements I always try to bring bring together. And from there, I start to think, you know, what is, what could be an interesting selection just to, um, to showcase. And also, how do I bring the, the, the visitor into the experience of, you know, that it, that it, it must, I think it's always important to make it a, a fantastic aesthetic experience, but also at the same time, um, telling a story that in the end there's an awareness, you know, that actually they also start to reflect and to rethink and maybe what fashion is and what you, how you could experience actually, actually what 
what fashion is and what is important in fashion. So that's a little bit, I think, my process in, in, in exhibition making. And I, you know, I grew up in a, in a family with a lot of fashion designers. Uh, my sister is a, is a fashion designer who has a, owns a sustainable fashion brand. Um, and of course, I see a lot of students around me and I have a lot of members of staff that are teaching, but also at the same time um, uh, develop their own, um, have their own little small fashion brand. And yeah, I think in, in, I'm, I'm always interested in, you know, that, that process that always, uh, I like to be in the ateliers. I, I like to be sitting near to a, to a sewing machine and just see how people work. And I'm always very interested in, you know, what is the concept? Because that are primarily, is I think, always the important thing. What is the concept and what does it need in the whole process to make that concept a really, you know, convincing, uh, what, are, what is a convincing solution to it, you know? And of course it has an aesthetic, but it always, you know, has also, you know, the details of making, um, yeah, so I think a, a lot of ingredients that in the end make it a, an interesting product. And sometimes it's also the story you need, the story, the story with it to actually know or understand in, in depth what's interesting about it. And so it's not only the aesthetics, it's an important part. Yeah. I think it, uh, it has two sides. Your creative process blends the art and science of creativity by balancing creative thinking to create, interpret and express your craft with critical thinking to explore an opportunity or, or problem and define and test that hypothesis and answer questions. Also around the ability to anticipate future trends inspired by industry developments, culture and aesthetics that connect to the emotions, imagination and, and how you go about developing this within a cohesive framework that combines qualitative and quantitative research methods and then applying practical insights and techniques that inform and help you frame what your designs are, are going to be and then guiding the choices you make either individually or collaboratively across multidisciplinary teams to generate ideas, develop the concepts and then bring them to, to market efficiently. Yeah, and I think more and more the designers nowadays, I think the process probably is, and the story, you know, the ingredients that they use and why they use those things um, in a sustainable context or, you know, talking about fashion tech explorations are more and more interesting. So I think looking also at, you know, our students and the curriculum, it's, it's you know, it's, it's the process is more and more, it, it becomes, yeah, it's it's really the, the most important part. And it's not necessarily, and that's different from 20 years or 30 years ago. Taking, for example, Victor Rolf, Dutch designers. I think in that time, it's also about concepts. They're still working in, the, in that way. Um, and, what they, and what most designers did then actually just translate that concept in, in the whole collection, 20, 30 items, because the whole collection just showed a little bit the signature and what they want to tell. And, and talking about extremes like Victor and Wolf, I think they, you know, they made a collection, for example, Flower Bomb Collection. It was all um, built on a started with ribbons and 
you know, the Dutch are very conceptual in their approach. So it means that it always needs to be modernistic. So it's just working with the concept. And they made like a very nice collection, but it was all ribbons. So it was just looking into how the collection was built up and each thread. It was all, it was a game and a play with ribbons. Um, and for example, looking at nowadays to a designer like Iris van Herpen, for example, also a Dutch designer working with 3D printed things. That's much more about structure, you know, and it's not about uh, 20 different garments where you create your ideas about working with ribbon. But it's it's much more, uh, and also that's not the only thing with Victor Roll because I always had also a sort of, you know, story behind it. It was interesting. But with uh, Iris van Herpen, you see very much that she is working with a, um, a certain technique, uh, like 3D printing, and she thinks about the structure, how actually you can make garments out of it, and you need to start very different than with the classical garment. It's not like uh, making a pattern and then cutting the, the, the fabric and just shape it to a three-dimensional form. You need to work for more constructive and you need to, to maybe study nature or bone structures to get the structure and the weight and actually the way you build in the garment. It's a very different uh, approach. Another designer, for example, um, Bethany Williams, who studied at the London College of Fashion uh, and is thinking very in depth around sustainability. Start, start, started one of her collection just with uh, wasted material and she worked with women in a prison in Italy and they uh, made fabrics out of those wasted garments. Sometimes there was plastic in it. Actually, it was already a beautiful form. And then she just she makes um, uh, garments out of it, but, you know, only a few. So the um, stores who wanted to buy um, her uh, collection, they don't have real more choice. So these are the items she's going to make them. It's not like a big push on the market with a lot of garments. It's only a few. And here the story and the process is also very important. It's important to know she does it differently because she has reasons, um, um, climate change reasons to do so. So it's a very different approach to, to the process, to, to, to the to garment productions. And the, the, the process is yeah, um, yeah, even more important than it used to be. Having a social conscience and empathy for the environment by managing innovation that powers the products you design, make and sell, and the businesses you run by caring deeply about the world we live in, its inhabitants' inclusivity, and the pursuit of making people's lives better, and moving society forward. A friend of mine, who is a fashion entrepreneur and CEO of Stylecrate, who provide eco-friendly clothes that gets delivered to your door every month, uh, Jonathan Burns, he shared with me a few months ago that the fashion industry produces more carbon emissions than all international flights and maritime shipping combined, and that 20% of global wastewater comes from textile production, and more than three-fifths of clothing ends up in incinerators or landfill within a year of being produced. And it was paramount to take a moral standpoint 
by being empathetic and having a social conscience about what his business does and how by being deeply committed to making a positive difference to the planet and people's lives. And I think that's very symbolic of what the next generation of leaders and and designers and entrepreneurs they really embellish that value system around social consciousness and, and making the world a better place. Yeah, and I think a lot of young people are aware of this, that fashion is one of the most polluting industries, as the, we know it. And so, and there are so much garments on the market, you know, all the time. So you could eventually think, you know, what's contribution as a designer to, to make, to start to also start the collection, make even more clothes. And of course, we know where the problems are. And especially, you know, it's um, it's the push market of the, of the fast fashion. Um, and, and they, you know, they just, they produce and they have, they're making sure they have, you know, every, I think every four weeks, new collections in the store. And their business model is just made on if they only sell 30% for a normal price, then it's fine. They, they, they will sell maybe 20, the other 20% in the sales. And then they have a lot of, uh, you know, leftovers. And that I think is for the whole fashion industry because it's a push market. You know, it's really pushed on a the market. They test if it works or does it work. There's a lot of um, stock left somewhere because, you know, and what they used to do is just burn it, but that's, you know, that it's ethical, not, you know, not allowed, and it's, and it's even not allowed anymore. So there is a problem, you know, with um, how fast fashion actually started, you know, to test and to see where, where they can make some sales. So that, I think, is the big, big problem. But then, you know, you could think, you know, what is my, what kind of designer do I want to be? And the positive thing of this is, I think that due to the all new di- digital technologies, due to Instagram, to uh, new ways of working, I think a lot of those young designers can actually build up a business yeah. in a very different way because you don't, in the classical system, you need to have um, investors and backers and you need you know, to, def- to, to design a whole collection then you need to go to Paris, to, to London, wherever. And there the buyers and the, the stores came and they just, you know, they just made their orders and then you started to produce. It's very difficult, but now it's very easy to start an online brand. You can make yourself visible on Instagram. And if you have a, a, a dedicated story, very easily get customers, you know, are interested in your product because it has a specific story. They know it's sustainable. Sometimes because you have a very, a very small brand, you're all, it, they, they can even ask you just to maybe just, if you could just adjust some things or make things a little bit longer, if you produce nearby. So it makes it much more flexible and you can also start with a niche product, you know, only jackets or whatever. Doesn't ma- mean that it's a huge market already, but you see that a lot of startup and young people, they start to do it very differently. So they have completely different business models and they can work, start to work very differently. And I think that's probably is, that very likely is the future. And then if you look in, on a bigger scale, 
you actually see that, and COVID-19 has actually just only has um, accelerated this, that now suddenly, I think the industry is also, you know, you, we can measure people, take body scans and have their real measure. Um, the industry is looking also in advanced manufacturing systems for NIT, for example, that actually um, people that you only started to produce when you have when the, the product is already ordered. So I think there are a lot of changes in digitalization and new technologies. And hopefully in, 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 in a couple of years, um, enable um, consumers as well as designers to completely different production. So it's, it will be much more on demand as or made to measure, you know, as the car industry already is. So I think I foresee, um, yeah, really, you know, a lot of disruptive changes in the fashion industry as we know it at the moment. And you see already a, a, a lot of young designers having their niche already somewhere and having quite a good, you know, that they're, they're not big. And they're not aiming to be, you know, worldwide uh, known and big. Sometimes they are worldwide known, but they have only have a small brand and I think they're fine with it. What are the key skills needed to be a successful creative in the fashion industry? You need a certain talent, you know, you need also really to be interested in, in, in fashion, in, in the fabric, in the, the body and actually how you can shape those things. So... The classical design skills, I think, are important. But um, in the current uh, climate and where we are in this time period, I also think you need to be very entrepreneurial or even if you work in, start to work in the industry, what they call int, entrepreneurial and very open and flexible, really looking yeah, very, you know, uh, you need to be thoughtful. You need to be interested in the whole process. It's not enough to just make a nice drawing. You need to engage with the whole product development process because if you are, um, you know, uh, an ethical and dedicated uh, fashion designer, you really want to know why things, how things are made, why things are made. And that's a very difficult and not a very transparent process. At the other hand, I also think you need, and you have to see it with our students, you know, last year, you need to be interested in the new technologies like yeah. cloud product development, um, digital design skills, but also sometimes to work with uh, engineers and, 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 or computer scientists or um, material engineers if you really want, if you are, so you need also to have a curiosity and, you know, new technologies that probably can change to make the product in a different way. So I think more and more with our designers, especially now in footwear, they all, I think, are now using digital software to, to model the shoe digitally already. Uh, and I think more and more that, that, will, that approach will also um, will be more and more embedded I think in the industry but also I think for every designer doesn't doesn't mean that you need to be specialist but you need to be aware in a different way of um, that people in at the other end the engineers the textile engineers the biochemistry 
you know, that is it's it's much more collaborative, I think, in certain areas where you really try to push the borders. And that's a different approach. It's not like things are coming to you. And sometimes it's also trying, for example, to hack the new NIT systems. So you need to have that basic interest in in um and the, the, the skills to collaborate with people coming from a very different field. And so you need to have a basic understanding from their research process, the language they're using. And I think that's the interesting part in the fashion tech area. I'm working in that field now for, or I'm just working on, on a couple of research projects with other university, but also with uh, industry partners. And I think that's the most fascinating area that it's, you know, the teaming up of designers with uh, engineers that I think is where, yeah, where the future is. They need to learn to collaborate. And I think that's so what you need on top of your design skills are collaboration skills, all kinds of soft skills, problem solving skills. That's what you need more than uh, I think that was uh, needed before because you had all kinds of people who are helping you and did the translation. But now I think since the solutions are not there yet, it needs to be a common effort with, from people with from different disciplines to actually solve the sustainable issue, solve the yeah. digital issue. So I think we are very much in that transition period. It's also a very exciting period because there's so much in change and it's really just, you know, you can be, you know, really do very interesting explorative work. The importance of collaboration comes out really strongly within your thinking. And so the cross-pollination across multiple domains to seek inspiration and expertise to force multiple innovative outcomes. To provide something new to the world means overturning the status quo by embracing originality and making unique connections, often between disparate universes that help light the way into the future. I think, you know, what is the big difference is that it used to be before, you know, that there was an engineer who um, just, you know, it was, <laughs> or whatever, that, that, you know, a, a new, um, how do you call it, a new, uh, a new product or a new yeah. fabric or something. And then they asked the, um, uh, the designer to make something nice of it. And I think that's, you know, it's now just starting with, Maybe we could find a solution in material, or we find a sort of machine to, to 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 help to you know to to improve the knit things. And then you need you know the designer and the engineer to work together because you know the designer already can feed in what does work, what doesn't. Can also see some trials that he thinks those are interesting. So if they work from scratch together, you know we get a very you know, a much more interesting product. So I think that's different from how it used to work in the, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, not only profession, but also in, uh, you know, product design or whatever. I think those fields started to be much more needed to be integrated from the part disciplines need to work together. What are your lessons learned, the pitfalls to avoid and keys to success that you can share with aspiring creatives in the fashion industry? Yeah, the, the pitfalls, and then I'm looking, that's very much based on the lessons learned from the students, is sometimes I think people look for, you know, they've seen, you know, um, successful um, designers. And I think I also I, I also want to be, you know, the famous designer. It, you know, what has worked for one designer as a, a, way, a way to success and career 
is not something that you need something to copy because that is really a pitfall because what has worked for a certain brand or a certain a career for a certain designer was you know always because it was in a, in, in, in a decade in the 1990s it was in a certain kind of context because they had a certain kind of maybe luck or money yeah. and you, know, you cannot copy that 10 years later or 20 years later sometimes we have students in the UK and they actually say okay uh, but where are the the clubs and where where is the clubbing and and that doesn't exist anymore. So fashion is somewhere else. It's out somewhere else. So that I think is an important pitfall. Don't look into, of course you can admire, you can have your, but you're in a different, so follow your own path. And follow also, I think what is very closely, you know, um, you need to be connected in, in, in the time you live in. And you, we are living in a certain time period where when we are, you know, need to realize or are realizing ourselves uh, we are here on a planet and um, we are uh, you know very polluting climate change is there a lot of other things are just threatening so what does it mean as a designer what how can I benefit to a better world but also you're always working for a client you so you're, you're doing you're, you're making something that you know it's fitting in the context of of the moment and the only way you the the best way to do it is just stay very close to yourself because what what in what kind of things are you interested in and how do you think personally think you're where yeah so stay very close to yourself because there's where you get the energy from and to really do the effort because it's not like very close to you you never you never keep the energy going to really just making sure that you really want to do this. Be excellent at what you do by mastering your craft and applying a do-it-yourself sensibility to find the future by being adaptive, persistent and resilient in bringing new solutions to market, by being independently minded and self-sufficient from start to finish, always finding the alternative by rejecting the banal and overturning the status quo in your own unique voice and style. The other point you made about there not being the venue anymore, and that is so true, unlike how it was historically where you had music venues like the Cavern Club in Liverpool that became the epicentre for Merseybeat in the 1960s, or the Troubadour in Los Angeles for folk music in the 1960s and 70s, or CBGB in New York City, or The Hundred Club in London for punk in the 1970s, or, or Wigan Casino for Northern Soul in the 1970s, and then The Hacienda in Manchester in the, the late 1980s and early 1990s. These venues became synonymous with the music and fashion that they cultivated, and a sanctuary where music, fashion, and culture came together where like-minded people could self-identify and feel liberated. Those physical venues don't exist anymore and it's almost like social media and outlets such as P-Interest and Instagram in a way have replaced 
those um, entities as being a way of exhibiting fashion and taste and style and trending. Yeah, people were then also, you know, you just, you know, you dressed yourself to go out and just showing off. Very fashionable and doesn't exist anymore, not in that way. You only realize when it's gone that that was there, you know, there may be yeah. impactful thing that was happening at certain point. So probably were they... Things are happening now and we're probably looking backwards hence with hindsight. What's your vision for the future of the fashion industry? I think the fashion industry, it really needs to revision itself. And they do at the moment. But I see this only, you know, it, it's very much a, a system in transition. So I foresee and hopefully it will happen too that, you know, it will be yeah, there will be a lot of change to, to the way things are made, to the way what we are going to wear. And I don't know the solution yet, but I think it definitely, I think it's it's quite a radical change. And we are maybe, it will take five, ten years. And then I think we hopefully also, I also hope we have a different um idea what 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 clothes mean for us and how we want to look like so i think we are um the system is radically changes changing um fashion as we know it like new style new trends i think is is something that is you know not very much on on, on the so it's not that much on an aesthetic level happening but it's much more happening on a product development level yeah and on a sustainable level and on an ethical level and on a values level. So we're all rethinking and reworking those areas. And yeah, so it won't be very spectacular, I think, in what we just, you know, in this sort of aesthetic new styles, but it definitely is um, interesting on how the product is made, the stories around it. And I think we'll just shape what we what we um, will define as what fashion is. So we will make things differently. We probably consume things differently. We order order our uh, new items in a very different way. I think the the high street will change dramatically. Positive societal change and technological advancement and innovation are important to the evolution of fashion by creating new opportunities and improving our lives and affecting how we self-identify and express ourselves as humans. How soon is the future? One thing for sure is the future is unwritten and everything is possible. You have been listening to the Unknown Origins podcast. Please follow, subscribe, rate and review us. For more information, go to unknownorigins.com. Thank you for listening.